Okay. It's my personal belief that the Bible is one big story. There's no our side of the Bible versus their side of the Bible. And that we really should know the whole story. And we don't. And because we don't, there are many Jews who are upset with us because we have caused them problems and we don't even remember. At the same time, they don't know their history. And we're unable to correct them. So I found that if we could just use any place we are as a visual aid to remember when things happen, then we would be able to talk about it more effectively and we'd be able to remember it. So I'd like to do that with you today. And we're going to use the room, the walls of the room, and we're going to kind of pretend that it's four solid walls and, and all that. And we'll use the walls of the room to represent the timeline of all of history. Okay? So, this is the room. What do you think? Nice. It gets better. <laughs> we have to pick a base corner from which to start, and we're going to start where Jordan is at this. It's Jordan, right? Yeah. Good. Nice. Just working on that. Thank wow. You. Uh, so we're going to use that corner, and that's going to represent today. Now, this corner right over here. Base corner. So that's today. And then we're going to count a thousand years per wall. If you touch, you'll bounce. So from 2000 of the common era down to a thousand, zero, which is where the master was, thousand years before, and then 2000 years before the common era. Who knows why I call it before the common era, BCE, and not BC? What's BC mean? Before Christ. Before Christ. That can be just a little bit offensive to someone who doesn't believe that Yeshua is the Christ, or in Hebrew, the Messiah. Now you may say, well, I shouldn't hide that. I'm not asking you to hide that. I'm asking you to not offend him on the front, offend him on the back. <laughs> After we go through the walls and have our corners, 2,000, 1,000, 0, 1,000 before, 2,000 before, I'm going to divide the walls in half. So I've got these 500-year marks. So I've divided history down into 500-year half walls. The sages of Israel say that the history of Israel is best understood in 500-year chunks. So you don't really see the blue very well on there, but it basically has 2,000 before the common era, 1,500 before the common era, 1,000 before the common era, 500 before the common era, 500 of the common era was 0, 1,000, 1,500, and 2,000 back There is a righteous man in every corner. So we start from today and go back 1,000 years, and the, and the tzaddik, or righteous man in this corner, is Rashi. He's the greatest commentator, Bible commentator, that the world has ever known. 
you read line-by-line line commentary, you study line-by-line line commentary in your precept ministries, you look in your Bibles, and every line's got some kind of cross-reference and commentary. The first guy ever to do that without a computer was the sage Rashi, Thalamah. So, the thousand-year corner, we've got Rashi here. Rashi is an acronym for his name. We'll get into that some other time. A thousand years before Rashi is the greatest sage. Who's in this corner? Yeshua. Messiah Yeshua, yeah. A thousand years before him is another great man. He's a relative. King David. David Hamelech. David the king. And a thousand years before him, Abraham, our father, Abraham Avinu. So again, Abraham, King David, Yeshua, Rashi, and you. You're the, the righteous one in this corner. So before we go any further, I want to go ahead and go back another 2,000 years to creation. So watch me now. Go into your notes. Today, Rashi at a thousand, Messiah at zero. A thousand years earlier is King David. A thousand years earlier is Abraham. A thousand years earlier, Noah. A thousand years earlier, Adam. Adam at creation. A thousand years to Noah. A thousand years to Abraham. A thousand years to David. A thousand years to Messiah. A thousand years to Rashi. A thousand years to us is how many years? 6,000 years. Do you know what the Hebrew year is this year? 5773. We're at the end of 5773. 5773. It's not very far off. So the walls work, and you can learn how things fit together. The sages say that the creation story is the basis for all of time. That there's six days of creation, and then there's rest. And in the same way, as the book says, a day is as a thousand years with the Lord. If we put a thousand years for every day of creation, we've got six thousand years where man will reign, and one thousand years where Messiah will reign. So the Sabbath represents the Messianic age, that thousand year reign. That's where the church got it. The eighth day is afterwards, and that is the world to come. Okay? So, all of these periods have names. I know you can't read them up there. I'm going to actually print this so that you can have it. And I may be able to do that while I talk. Actually, Pete can do it while I talk. I can do the, this thing here. Just okay. open that up. And I know you're not a Mac guy, but <laughs> find... Uh, uh, it's in my Dropbox. It's in Yeshiva Graphics. And we'll find this for you, so you don't have to worry about it. So, the names of these periods, if we're starting with Abraham and coming through 500 years, what do you suppose that period would be called? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, maybe the patriarchal period, that's good. That's what I'd call it. Then we've got at the middle of this wall, Moses and Mount Sinai. And we begin another period where they're given a covenant with God 
they're given the Torah. This is the covenantal period. Then we get to King David, and he thinks that God should have a house. And he wants to build him a house. But his hands are too bloody, and his son Solomon builds the first temple. This is called the first temple era, the first temple period. They get uh, thrown out. They come back into the land, and what do they do? The temple's been destroyed. Jerusalem's been destroyed. They, books of Nehemiah and Ezra, they rebuild. And we have the second, second temple period. At the end of the second temple period, we now got what's called the zugot, or pairs, that are ruling the Sanhedrin. And we've got the Messiah. Do you remember in this first temple, was the presence of God in this temple? Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. well, you can see it. Yeah. Priest went in there, he died. Yom Kippur, the whole deal. And one of the prophets actually saw Yechabah. He saw the, the glory depart. And then he built the second temple. Do you ever recall hearing about the Shekinah, or the Shekinah glory, the cloud, or anything like that in the second temple? No. Yeah, why did the scriptures say that the second temple had more glory than the first? The Yeshua. Because the very living Torah, the very presence of God himself in the flesh was in that one. In here, just the spirit. In this one, physically. This first 500 years, from 0 to 500, is called the Talmudic era. It's where we get the Talmud. That 500-year period, from 500 to 1,000, is called the Ga'anic period. I'll explain that in a minute, because you probably don't know what a Ga'on is. How many people know what a Ga'on is? That's what I thought. It's a really big pickle. No, it's not. <laughs> so, yeah. So Pete's going to print this for you in a second. Or, actually, I think you're going to email it to him so he can print it. Um, but I've got Abraham, I've got the patriarchal period, I've got them in bondage, I've got Moses, Mount Sinai, I've got David in the corner. This 500 year period right here is called what? First temple. The first temple period. Now if I wanted to know where is the prophet Ezekiel on these four walls? Where is it? It's in the front. Here? We're here. Second I think he's in the first. Because he's Isaiah. Right. In fact, every prophet in your Bible is right here. All of them. Where is the book of Genesis? First two walls, right? Because we get to Abraham, and then his sons, so two and a half walls. The Exodus, where Moses is involved, is in the middle of that wall. You need it? No, You sure? Mm -hmm. All right, so let's walk through it again. Abraham, Moses, David. Who would you put in the middle as they're being kicked out of the land. 
for not keeping the Torah. Jeremiah is good. I like that. He's there. He's weeping about it. We've got the exile and all of that. But there's one prophet that was reading Jeremiah and realized God should be acting any day now because he was reading the prophet Jeremiah and knew that the time was up. Daniel. Daniel. So I put Daniel in the middle. I like Daniel. Daniel's pretty unique. In this corner, we have our master. 500 years later, hmm, I wonder who we would put there. The Talmud has just been, both Talmuds have been completed. There's really not a player that we know of that would be there on the righteous side. So let me ask you this. Who is it that you think, or what wall, what spot would you put Buddha? I mean, we you know there's Buddhists. Yeah. Where would we find Buddha? Which thousand? Where? I think it's been a thousand years. Which one? Here? Yeah. So is he on this five hundred, or is he on this five hundred? Where is it? Give me a spot. Here. I think you're giving me the answer. He's somewhere in here. Sorry, from the second pebble. Yeah, he's somewhere in this half then. Who agrees? Buddha. Buddha is here. Where's Confucius? Right here. Where's Moses? Middle of that wall. These guys are latecomers. <laughs> Where's Muhammad? Middle of the wall over there. He's really late. Where's the Spanish Inquisition? Over there. Right before the middle of the wall. Who knows what the Shulchan Aruch is? It means set table. Code of Jewish law. It's all written down exactly how they believe everything should be done. There? 500 too late. That's the middle of the wall. 1500. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Why did he leave on the night he left? Inquisition. Because the Jews were being kicked out of Spain. The guy was Jewish. So they say. Otherwise, how do you explain why he left? <laughs> Pilgrims went to America. I know, wrong country. But <laughs> more red. <laughs> With a <laughs> um, cover all your bases. Yeah, that's right. When uh, when the pilgrims landed, one of the first things that they wanted to determine about their new colony was what language they were going to speak. Hebrew lost by one vote. Can you imagine going to America and everybody's doing Hebrew? That would be a different kind of Harris T, let me tell you. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the head of the Mayflower Compact was James Bradford. Um, 
his diary, the first six chapters were in Hebrew. It's amazing. And most people have no idea. Okay. So, the Bible history ends where? The biblical canon. Before the middle of the wall. Before the middle of the wall. This is where the master was crucified, like right here, right? So, you got a few letters, less than 100 years. 70 AD, you've got the temple destroyed. By 100, you're done. The Apocalypse was probably written in 95. So by 100, your Bible is over. When did it start? Who wrote? Where's Moses? In the corner. No, he's in the middle of the wall. Sorry, middle of the wall. Sorry, right. Okay, so 500, 1,000, 100. So now your Bible's written. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Egypt. The middle of the wall, they're in bondage. Moses, the first redeemer, takes them out to the mountain. At the mountain, they're given the very word of God. And the sages write about what happened. The sages say, tongues of fire rested on every Jew. The description of that event is what caused the Jews that wrote about this event to make them appear identical. What happened then just happened again. The major prophets are called major prophets only because of the length of their books. The major prophets are here spread out amongst the minor prophets. There are 12 minor prophets. The minor prophets all pretty much wrote the same thing the major prophets wrote. You guys are messing up. We're going to get kicked out. We need to stop doing this. <laughs> That's basically, you know, well, I just saved you so much reading. <laughs> Some of them surely did speak about the end times, but most of them were speaking to the people of Israel. Amos and some others were speaking to some foreign lands. Jonah. Who did Jonah speak to? The guy didn't want to go. It was a Gentile city. The Ninevites. Yeah. And did they repent? Yes. And was he upset? Yes. <laughs> and within a hundred years, they got wiped out anyway. Shortly. Not just to meet you. <laughs> they get kicked out of the land. I couldn't do that again. <laughs> they got kicked out of the land. Just before the middle, the temple is destroyed, and they went into Babylon. Prior to that, the northern tribes had already been taken. They were taken by Assyria. The southern tribes were taken by Babylon. What we don't hear about is that before the southern tribes were taken by Babylon, Babylon took Assyria. Where are the northern tribes when the southern tribes were taken? Babylon. Now where were the southern tribes taken? 
Babylon. So Nehemiah is cupbearer to the king. He's at the middle of the wall here, along with Ezra and Daniel. And what does he request? Go back and build it. I want to go back, rebuild the walls. I'm in tears. It's terrible. And rebuild the temple. King says, yes. Where are the Jews in the next chapter? Israel. They went back to Jerusalem. They were building. One guy, sword in one hand, shovel in the other hand. You know, we take turns. I'll hold the sword, you hold the shovel. I'll hold the shovel, you hold the sword. And they rebuilt. <clears throat> not really. If you read it, not many went back. In fact, the Bible, which is a book of uncommon things, the Bible is a book of anomalies. The Bible is absolutely shocked that most people stayed in bondage. We've got an Orthodox Jew as a friend, and he's trying to gather money for Zionist movements to get Jews to go back to Israel, where they belong, in the Promised Land. Do you know the toughest crowd he's got to deal with? Orthodox Jews here in America. They're real comfortable. Why would we go back? Everything's working great. God's working through us. We've got art scroll. We've got all this great stuff going on in New York City. Gentiles are buying our products left and right. They don't want to leave. Same thing happened in Babylon. Most of them stayed in Babylon. Temples rebuilt. It's magnificent. The Sanhedrin is established and there's pairs of men and we get down to the famous two pairs, the last pairs. Anybody have a Shema. Shema and Hillel. Hillel and Shema. We always want to put Hillel first. Right. <laughs> Which one was easier on Gentiles? Hillel. Which one was a real pain in the neck. <laughs> Come on. The Talmud says that the house of Hillel went into a meeting with the house of Shimon. Very few came. They were all were Hillel, yes. Very few came on a lot. A lot. So the house of Shimon pretty much massacred the house of Hillel. Hillel's sayings parallel the masters dramatically. Or maybe it's the other way around. Either way, Hillel had a series of extraordinary teachers and a series of extraordinary disciples. One of his most famous disciples. And took over after he was dead. Gamaliel or Gamaliel. And he had a famous disciple who is the Apostle Paul. Paul, right? Or Shabbat. Okay. So I think we've got it down. And then the temple's destroyed, the Jews revolt, and oh my goodness, everybody out of the pool again. <laughs> and we're exiled. 
And that's what the Jews are in now. They're in exile. And us. You're going to have to do another one. So as these come around, we'll, uh, we'll review one more time. So at the time that the master was born, where was the master born? Point very quick. Point? Good. In this point. When the master was born, where are Jews on the planet? Congregated. One place for sure. Israel. Where else? Where are Jews congregated on the planet when the master is born? Around zero. Certainly Israel is one. Second? Babylon. Because a lot of them didn't come back. They're still in Babylon. In fact, there's more Jews in Babylon than there is in Israel. Okay. Here at about 300 before the master. The Septuagint is requested. These are Jews living in Alexandria, Egypt. They have not learned how to read and write in Hebrew. So they're reading in Greek, thinking in Greek, and they want the scriptures in Greek. So they sent a delegation and asked for it to be translated from Hebrew into Greek, and that's the Septuagint. Everybody with me? I have Jews in Babylon. I obviously have enough Jews in Egypt, Alexandria, Egypt, that they've requested to have the scriptures written in their language. And of course I have Jews in Israel. Three places. Given enough time, you could tell me those three places, right? All right, so let's read a story. In the days of Caesar Augustus, there went out a decree. Do you know this story? <laughs> if we read the Christmas story and the birth of Messiah, you get, in just a, a few short years of his life, you get an interaction with all three places. Where is he born? In Israel. Who comes to visit him? These strange fellows from Babylon. east, from Babylon. Where does he flee to when Herod's going to kill him? In Egypt. Huh, wonder why. Because that's where Jews are on the planet. Now, why would Jews from Babylon show up to visit the Jewish king? Where is he that's been born king of the Jews? We know he's here. This is the, the capital. Where's the king? They asked the wrong guy, by the way. Man. Why would they, why would they show up? Why would they care? They've been waiting for it. They've been waiting for it. Why? Okay. Okay, why are they waiting? Daniel. Daniel. The Bible says eunuchs are made by God or by man or eunuch. He was made a eunuch. I mean, the head of the eunuchs is who was in charge of him. So he's 
take him into captivity, and he studies the Word of God. Enough to where he understands that they should be coming out of captivity. And then the king has that dream. Nobody can do it. Daniel knows what it means. Okay. So Daniel saves the lives of the satraps and magi and all of that. And one could conceivably believe that if I saved your life, you might want to listen to me about my faith. And they show up. Alexander the Great. All the, world, all the world is owned by this Greek man. And Hellenization begins. He's here. Where's the flood? Noah's in that corner. Abraham's in that corner. The flood's right before that corner. Remember when the people were dispersed? Abraham was in the dispersal. You know, it's hard to believe. So, creation. Adam. The first Adam. Enoch is in the middle. He walked with God and was not. Noah in the corner. The flood. Abraham. No, of course, uh, Tower of Babel and all. Then uh, Abraham. The patriarchs. All those unbelievable family stories. Go down to Egypt, got no food. Time of bondage. Moses, Mount Sinai. Where are the judges? Joshua's right here. Ruth, right here. The judges are down over here. And they lead to the request for a king. And the king they got was very tall. Saul was tall. Yeah. Okay. So from there, Solomon, David, Solomon. And then what happens? It's split. Kingdom splits. <coughs> we've got the right guy, which is Rehoboam, and then we got the other guy, which is Jeroboam. Cast that. So the right guy, the rightful heir is Rehoboam. Jeroboam is the bad. Kingdom is split. Jeroboam actually sets up high places, and he puts a golden calf, believe it or not, in Dan. And they, like, put up with it. <coughs> You don't need to go down to Jerusalem. No, 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 no. Just bring your tithe money over here. We're going to read about tithe money in this week's portion. So just, you know, we'll use it up here. This is, this is great. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is cool now. Yeah. All that tourist stuff changed. No, you can do it here now. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. That sounds very familiar. The law has been changed. God changed his mind. Eventually... They are taken by Assyria. All the prophets have been talking and trying to get them to turn around and repent. And finally they're kicked out. Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah come back. And we've got this somewhat silent period about the repairs. And then we've got Alexander the Great. 
Septuagint. The rebellion of the Maccabees against the Syrians, the Assyrians that come in, and Antiochus Epiphanes, that's here. This is Hanukkah, established in the Feast of Lights, you'll read about it in the Apostolic Scriptures, and in the Maccabees. Hillel and Shemai are the guys in charge of the Sanhedrin. Hillel eventually dies. And when does the master begin his ministry? You know from the scriptures he was 30 years old. There's also the same time that Shemai died. There's now no more ruler. Hmm. It's probably coincidence. Did you know there's no word in Hebrew for coincidence? I think that's very coincidental. <laughs> All right. What are your questions on the timeline? I have questions from the period of kind of and like our scriptures and to kind of common like present day. Sort so, of the, so the Talmud period? Yeah, period? like some okay. of those things, like what. Um, where the, the changes came over between, you know, we have a big group of Gentile believers yep. and the Jewish believers and yep. kind of reviewing yep. the splits there. Yep, good. All right, well, we'll do that. Um, I'm going to have to dig pretty deep into that one. So give me some more generic or quick questions on the timeline, and then we'll dig right into that. Would you go look in my suitcase, which is <coughs> on that little uh, Uber by the front door? And there should be a stack of uh, name cards. Please. Name cards. Name cards. Name cards. Yes, Gaon period, you're saying you're going to explain what that was? Yeah. Uh, uh, a Gaon is a Talmudic or Torah genius. Get the whole thing memorized. Can read you every third letter, every 15th word from memory. Did you know that Orthodox children today are taught the same way they were back in the day of the Master? The first thing they're taught to memorize is the Book of Leviticus. If you take a six-year-old Jewish Orthodox child in Israel today, or in New York City, there's not that many in the child. If you do that and you ask them, what are the what's the first five occurrences of birds in the Bible? They'll name them for you, along with the reference, in order. I'm thinking birds. Okay, birds. Um, well, again, I know a thing. It's a black one anyway. You know? Well, no, that's that's over here. Actually, flood. It's over there. I think we do pitifully. So anyway, a Talmudic genius is what a Gaon is. So let's talk about, before we get into deep here, um, because basically we've got this Jewish rebellion going on. Master died. The master's risen. The master's walked around. And then ascends. Not many days hence. We know exactly how many days hence. 40 days hence. 10 days longer from the 14th day of Pentecost. Many believe the church was born here. What does it mean to be a part of the church? It's not trick questions, guys. Okay. What do you mean to be a part of the church? Do you have a place in the world to come? 
Gonna go to heaven, where do you wanna call it? Okay, is Abraham in heaven? He is? Or no? Oh, we don't know. We don't wanna say? <laughs> we do know or we don't know? Okay, does he have a place in the world to come? He has a place in the world to come. Okay, well I thought only the people that were in Messiah had a place in the world to come. Is he not in Messiah? Is he is in Messiah. Well, he got the gospel priest to him, right? So he's in Messiah. I thought everybody that was in the church was in Messiah. So the church couldn't have started here at Pentecost. Had to start at least with eight. Now, do you think when they ate that fruit, which could have been a lemon, if you think about it, it turned out to be that way. Do you think that Adam, Adam and Kaaba, Adam and Eve, you think that they not only blew it for the whole planet, I mean, we're suffering. In fact, the scripture's saying that the world, the very earth is groaning under the curse. Do you think that they blew it for themselves completely? Were they cut off without hope? Or did he provide a covering for them? Did he redeem them? The lamb, for sure. Wasn't the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth? Well, if Adam, the first Adam, was a picture of the last Adam, which, by the way, is the same coin. Isn't that cool? It's not bad. So, if that's the case, well, then Adam's, I guess, a member of the church. He's part of the covenant. He's got a place in the world to come. So where does this church begin? Before creation. Right? You can't slay a lamb for a problem without there being a fix that can be applied throughout time. So if people tell you that the church began here, I think they're on the wrong wall. Because it's before any wall. But I digress. You may disagree. But that's okay. So back 4,000 years later, the Jews rebel. They lose really, really bad. It's said. How bad? A rabbi is smuggled out of Jerusalem, which is under siege. His name is Yochanan ben Zakkai. He's smuggled out in or under a coffin which Jews don't do. I mean, they do coffins, but they don't touch them deliberately. I mean, they stay away from dead. He speaks to the commanding general, and the first thing he says to him is, Hail Caesar. This general says, Old man, you've got it mistaken. I'm a general. The Caesar is still in Rome. And as he's saying that, a Roman soldier rides up and says, the Caesar's been killed. And you're the new Caesar. And Titus looks at Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and says, I'm astonished. You must have some magical powers or something. Ask me for anything you want, I'll grant it. 
Give me the city of Yavni and let me set up a Torah school, if you will, a yeshiva there, so that the wisdom of the Jewish people does not die. She said, you got it. So, in Yavni, they set up a school, and Rabbi Zakai is in charge. And at this time, Rabbi Judah the Prince begins to write down what most people would call the Mishnah, or repetition, the oral law. They believe that when Moses went up on the mountain, he got extra stuff that he didn't write down. If you don't believe them, try and take nothing but the scriptures and build a tabernacle. You can't do it. Try to build any of the stuff that goes inside the tabernacle. You can't do it. There's not enough info there. You need a guy that saw it. And who probably has some Italian lineage so he can talk with his hands. And give you some idea of how to do it. Now, whether it's the oral law or not, whether it's inspired or not, we don't need to argue about that. Who cares? Bottom line is there. They want to write it down. And it's never been written down. It's been transferred from father to son, from teacher to disciple, for how long? From there to here. But now, they're all dying. They're being kicked out of the land, taken as slaves, and they're afraid. The sages are afraid. We're going to lose the, the, the glue that holds us together, that makes us a people, is going to be gone. There'll be a generation that doesn't know how we do anything. So they write it down. It's called the mission. It's written down there. And some guys take it and bring it to Babylon. Because where we got Jews? Babylon, Israel, and Egypt. So they bring it back to Babylon. And they start to talk about it in both places. And they have discussions on what Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Judah the Prince, wrote down. These discussions, Gemara, are written down. If you take the Mishnah and the Gemara, and you put them together, you have the Talmud. We have two Talmuds. One from Yavni, which is called the Jerusalem Talmud. That's a trick question if you ever read a cocktail party. So I wonder where the Jerusalem Talmud, you know, where's George Washington buried? You know, who's buried in George Washington's tomb, that kind of thing? Yeah, oh, George Washington, yeah. Where was the Jerusalem Talmud written? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you would you know, cross. The other one is the Babylonian Talmud. The Jerusalem Talmud was compiled and put together by about 350, somewhere in there. It took until the end of this period, 500, for the Babylonian Talmud to be put together. So what's happening here in this 500-year period? I know this can be boring, but what I'm about to say is the most important thing to your life with regard to timeline. Listen, what's going on right here in Israel is a phenomenal, God-moving thing. There are so many Gentiles that have been impressed, just like God said. In the book of Deuteronomy, 
God tells Moses, who then tells the people, you guys need to keep this Torah. And when you do, the Gentile nations will see you from afar and they'll go, wow, what a wise God you must have. We gave you all these great laws. You guys are really living it up here. This is fabulous. We want to do it just like you do. <clears throat> and in the visible expression of the church today, all we want to do is bash the fact that they missed the Messiah here. They did miss the Messiah here. But over here, they were living such righteous lives that what, what God wanted to happen actually did happen. You got Gentiles coming out of the woodwork. Have you ever seen the Temple Mount? Have you seen models of the temple? You've got the temple, and you've got the court around it. That's for the, the temple inside is for the priests. Then the court around it is for the guys. And then the court around it is for the girls. And then there's this massive court around all of that. That's like 15 times bigger than the court for the women. Who's it for? Us. That's the court of the Gentiles. Now, granted, you know, we got the every now and then you got a sign that says, if you come past here, we'll kill you. <laughs> Besides that, it was a big court. We could draw almost near. But nearer than we can, for sure, right? So the problem here. In the ears and minds of the sages of Israel is, what are we going to do with all these Gentiles? Two hundred years later, it was flipped on its head. The Jews have been kicked out of the land. The temple has been destroyed. The Sadducees, who did nothing but take care of the temple, are now like nobodies. They got nothing. The Pharisees are the forerunners of rabbinic Judaism that we have today. Some of it good, some of it not so good. But the big question here is now no longer what are we going to do with these Gentiles? Because the Gentiles are the only guys left. You've got Jews that are still going to their synagogue and they're lamenting. They're lamenting the fact that God has forsaken them evidently. They for they're lamenting the fact that God's promises came true. If we don't keep his commandments, he'll kick us out. It happened to us before, and now it's happened to us again. Boy, are we stupid. They're also lamenting the fact that because they're Jewish, which they didn't have anything to do with, that was God, right? Now they're getting taxed. This is like a 97% tax on their income. It's overwhelming. Fiscus today. It's killing them. That's what's happening to the Jews. But what's happening to the Gentiles? Well, to the pagans, we don't care. They're fiddling. Things are burning. But to the Christians, what's happening? Are they treated like? Are they getting taxed too? No tax for the Christians. In fact, you've got a lot of just, no, 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 Jewish, no, 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 Italian. What are you, nuts? <laughs> so, they're distancing themselves from the Jews because they don't want to pay the tax. What else has happened? They're obviously being persecuted by the Romans, right? Those are some sick puppies, right? So we've got persecution because of Messiah, 
And we don't want to have anything to do with the Jews because of the tax. What else is happening? The Jews are in the synagogues, and who shows up? These Gentiles show up. What are you doing here? We know what are doing here. We're a sect of Judaism. Why wouldn't we be here? This is where we've always been. I heard you weren't paying the tax. Well, no, I can't afford to pay the tax. Hey, you get out of here. The Jews made a last run at it, fighting the Romans. And it was getting real bad. What did the, Jew, oh, the uh, Christians, the Gentile Christians do? They follow what the Master said. And when Jerusalem gets surrounded, they leave town. Well, that's what he said to do. And they survived. So now the Jews are in the synagogue saying, you don't want to pay the tax to be counted as a Jew. You've told Rome you're not a Jew. And where were you when we were fighting? My father got killed. Where were you? You can't come in here. But we want to pray. We pray someplace else. You can't pray here. So the Jews are pushing the Gentiles away, and the Gentiles are pushing the Jews away. So what happens to the folks that want to fellowship? Like Paul, Maxwell. By the way, you know he didn't get his name changed, right? He got both names when he was born. Jews get two names when they're born. One Hebrew, one Greek. So they can use whichever one is appropriate. Right? So, Paul wants to visit a town. So he visits the synagogue on Shabbat morning. Who's there? Jews. Are there any Gentiles? No. Why? Because the Jews won't let the Gentiles in anymore. So what does he do? He waits until the end of Shabbat, and at Havdalah, he goes to meet with the Gentiles. That's when he starts to talk until midnight. And Eutychus, idiot, in the window. Come on. Boom. And he gets picked up. You think he spoke from 10 o'clock in the morning? That's a long sermon. Until midnight? No, 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 no. He started at Havdalah. They ate, a little nosh, a little wine, and then Eutychus is out. That's what was happening. The Jews are pushing away from the Gentiles. The Gentiles are pushing away from the Jews. And you know what? They haven't come back until you got here. Now I want to challenge you. How often do you reach out to Jews? I'm not talking about trying to convince them that they should be Christians. How often do you talk to Jews? Do you know how many Jews you have in Canada? A lot. <laughs> not too many cheese water. Not too many cheese water. <laughs> I'll, I'll grant you that. <laughs> we drove for four and a half hours and nobody knows where cheese water is. <laughs> and don't take Route 8 into Hanover. <laughs> I want to challenge you. We're doing the same thing that happened there. And we're the worst for it. We're the worst for it as a community of faith because of the split that happened. Because you know what happened. You know what happened? Some Roman pagan sees a cloud in the sky, claims that he's a Christian, and poof, we're all Catholic. Hello? How many of you are Catholic today? Zero. Look, you left too. This schism launched a branch of our faith with which we disagree. 
I'm trying to speak as generically as possible so I don't step on your toes and so you don't think something about me that I didn't say or believe. But what I just said is the truth. We disagree with the expression of their faith from this point forward. Where is the Protestant Reformation? And now, are you not pointing robustly because you're afraid you're wrong or because you don't know? It's over here. It's over here. 1611, Wittenberg, Dorr. He's a monk. He's a Catholic monk. Well, he's a priest. But have you ever read 90? Was it 90 or 99? 97? 95 pieces. 95, 95 pieces. And it was a window stick. <laughs> <laughs> we don't think he did handwritten. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alright. So yeah. Have you ever read those 95 pieces? They're really not that I mean, it's not that big a deal. This Protestant Reformation didn't protest enough. Okay, so you can't buy indulgences. But the Pope is still the head beanie weenie on the planet? Come on. I, I mean, I hate to be flippant about it, but as we saw this morning in the prayers, the genuflecting, my father can play that one better than your father can, whatever it may be, is, is really nothing more than the actions an Orthodox Jew takes when he's praying. Touching his fill in his forehead and kissing his lips. And it's the same thing. And it's just been torqued. It's been damaged. So, if we want to get back to the expression of faith that was exemplified not only by the apostles, but I would say by the Gentiles here, these men called most of the time God fearers in our apostolic scriptures. What was the prevailing sentiment in Judaism in this day before the Master's arrival with regard to Gentiles and their faith? Did they have any problem with a Gentile who wanted to practice Judaism? As long as he became Jew? That's not true. How many of you think that this humongous court of the Gentiles was for Gentiles that became Jewish? <coughs> Wrong. Jews had no problem with Gentiles like us keeping the Torah and practicing our faith. That's why they had the court. Because we're all showing up and there's more of us than there is of them. If you converted to Judaism, you went inside. Because when you come up out of the water, this is a Jewish term, you might want to write it down. When you come up out of the water of baptism, out of the mikvah, you were born again. Jewish term, born again. It's not a Christian term. It's been co-opted by the Christian church. It's a Jewish term. You were born again as a Jew. Now, we actually have some people in the Torah expression of our faith now, today, that believe that if we start to practice the Torah, 
and we join ourselves to Israel, which is a requirement for salvation according to the scriptures, then now we're Jewish. Wait a second. That's as bad as what these guys were saying. We're not Jewish. In fact, if we become Jewish, the promise to Abraham can never come to pass. What's the promise to Abraham? That in, in your seed, all the Gentiles will be blessed. Well, how can a Gentile get blessed? Now he's a Jew. Oh, that's one less. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in its ultimate fulfillment. Messiah comes, who's left? Nothing but Jews. That won't work. That won't work. I'm Italian. I'll always be Italian. Thank God for that, really. <laughs> I will never be Jewish. Do you want to open up dialogue about Messiah Yeshua with a Jew? Here's a, here's a fabulous way to start. I challenge you. Please write to me. I'll send you $100 if you start it this way. You send me $100 if he doesn't get saved. <laughs> All the people in the back are going, I can't believe it. What, what do I do? Would that be American or Canadian? <laughs> it depends on the rate. So, if you start out with an Orthodox Jew and you tell him, I'd like to invite you over to my home, it would be such a blessing to have someone who God chose from the foundation of the world to be a member of his family come into my home. And I would be blessed to have you under my roof, provide protection, break bread with you. I understand we may have different dietary rules, and I have no problem if you want to provide the meal, bring the meal, help me cook the meal. But I would be blessed. And I am, just to be in your presence. The Jew's going to fall down. I know, because I've done it. He won't believe it. He'll think your phone is like, or it's a bait and switch. <laughs> I kind of looked at you and said, I got you! <laughs> Christian! <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Why don't we love them? Because they're God's people. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about how we act, especially as Torah keepers. They are the ones that God entrusted with the very oracles of God. I'm going to write something down. Who's going to give it to? We'll give it to the Irish. He didn't say that. Now, I really can't believe he didn't say it to the Italians either. <laughs> we would have messed it up big time. They gave it to the Jews. But we don't honor them for that. Paul did. Well, what? What good is it being a Jew then? That's what Paul said. He goes, wait! It's unbelievably important in every way. And he goes off. But we don't treat them that way. We look at them funny. What's with the hat? It's not a hat, it's a keeper. <laughs> actually, they would say keeper. We, we, don't, we don't honor them. I think we should honor them. And if we were to honor them for being the founders of our faith, for being the ones that cared for the Word of God so much, they were willing to die that they were so careful about writing the Lord's name, careful about writing down the scriptures, that by that time, we started to get scrolls that were available to Gentiles. And we actually have our Bibles because of these people. Try it someday when you're in the market. Oh, are you Jewish? You look Jewish. You are Jewish? I just want to thank you. Your people took such care that I actually have a copy of the Word of God. In fact... We treat it like trash now because we, we just put it on the... No, no, you don't go that far. But when I grew up, I don't know about in Canada, but when I grew up, the Bible had to be the top stack of the books. 
You didn't put anything on top of the Bible. It was on the, on the coffee table. Nothing went on top of it. We have reverence for the Word of God. How come we don't have reverence for the people of God? Gaon, I thought I forgot, <laughs> is a Talmudic genius. So what have we got going on? Most of the people are in Babylon. Oh, we got a problem. We just got kicked out again. Where did they go? Two places. Come on, come on. Egypt and Babylon. That's where they went, primarily. Where else are they going to go? Some of them stayed. It wasn't fun. So now, by the end of the Talmudic period, things are lightening up. Now, it's okay to be a Jew. You take your farm animals. Get your horse. Horse is good, you can ride a horse. Ox, big time. Farmers love the ox. Okay. <laughs> then you got your sheep and stuff like that. And then at the bottom, chickens. As long as the Jew understood he was below the chicken, subhuman, everything's fine. That was it. Who wasn't treating them that way? Say, we were. It's shameful. That's what we did as Gentiles. Why? Because we're stupid. So what happens as things start to ease up, and Jews know their place now, less than chickens, they start to leave Babylon. They leave in two different directions. Some of them go north, and then west into Europe. I know, unless you're homeschooled, you have no idea what I'm talking about with geography. It's okay. <laughs> so they're going north from Babylon, Iran, Iraq, up into mm -hmm. Turkey and Eastern Europe. They went through primarily Christian lands. Another group of them went south and over the top of Africa and ended up over the water to the Iberian Peninsula and hit Portugal and Spain. These two groups comprise two separate groups of Jews that we know of today. You say to me, Shabbat Shalom. Peace of the Sabbath. God bless you. You are sounding like a Sephardi, a Sephardic Jew. These are the ones in Portugal and Spain. These are the ones where we get Christopher Columbus. You say Shabbat Shalom, I say good Shabbos. Shabbos Tov. This is the Ashkenazi expression of those that went north. Okay, that's so, okay so, that's what, so that's the difference between Ashkenazi and Sephardic then. Is that it's all geographical. All geographical stuff. It has nothing to do with genetics. Right. It's all geographical. Okay. Same thing happens in Italy. The Italians up north, blonde, blue-eyed, they talk funny. The guys in Sicily sound like me. And there so, this is happening now at the beginning of this time. But while they're still where they are, in Babylon, and moving, they still need to get halakhic walk. They need to get directions on how to walk out the faith. What's, a, what's okay? What's not okay? I'm stuck in a town with no synagogue. Where should I pray? How should I act? Should I eat with these people? I don't know them. This guy says he's a Jew. A Jew? He's got no people. 
So they want direction. Everybody wants a rabbi. Well, except Gentiles. <laughs> so they write back to Babylon. To the Geonim, plural of Gaon, Geonim. So these Talmudic scholars are running seminaries. They've got yeshivot, plural for yeshivas. They've got Talmudic and, and Torah schools. They're training up rabbis. They're teaching them the word of God. They're trying to reconstitute everything that just got destroyed. Does that make sense? So these guys are writing for these people, and they send them back what they should do. Now everybody's starting to leave Babylon, going north, going south, and ending up in Europe, Portugal, Spain, and so forth. And the rabbis are going out there with them. And in this period of time, we see that transition from always asking Babylon to finally having established yeshivot in Europe. We have yeshivas now. We've got rabbis. And we've got great sages and great thinkers who are studying the Word of God. And they're dispersed amongst the people. Okay? That's what happens in the Gaonic period. And we've got some notables in there. You've got Muhammad. You've got the uh, Aran, uh, Anand ben David, the uh, start of the Karite movement. You've got Sa'adia ben uh, Al-Fumadi, or something like that. Um, Sa'adia um, Gaon, like I said, I don't have his uh, full name off the top of my head, um, argued big time. And almost squashed it completely. And it only reared its head again when they got a footing talking to Hebrew roots people. Because Jews won't pay attention to them at all. They don't, they don't give them the time of day. But then the Hebrew roots people, like, wow, these guys sound really good. That's where that's at. That's what happened in the Gaonic period. And I think we just went through sort of the split that went on here. And you never see it come back again until the expression for it. So the, the really bad um, period of time when you're talking about you were losing really big, is that the Bar Kokhba revolt? Yeah, that was okay. in uh, 133 BC. Okay. And uh, Rabbi Akiva, one of the greatest minds. By the way, Rabbi Akiva is a convert to Judaism. He was a Gentile. His first name was Joseph. <laughs> he was a Gentile. He was a Gentile. No, he wasn't. <laughs> But he was very poor. But uh, yeah, he's a convert to Jews. He became a great scholar, and he's one of the only Gentile converts that's mentioned in the Talmud. He's a great mind, great thinker. And he actually convinced the people that Bar Kokhba was the Messiah. And we should follow him. Now, the rabbi maybe had a little bit too much wine that day, because if you wanted to join Bar Kokhba's army, you had to take a piece of your body off to prove that you were really into it. Like, you know, there goes the left thumb. This is against the Torah. We're not allowed to do that. We lost, by the way. So there we go. that help? About 12, 30, 13, somewhere in there. The Black Plague hit Europe. One people group died less. I didn't say they didn't die at all. Died less than any other people group. Group. Any other people group. Right? <laughs> and which people group was it? 
Jews. Now, why do you suppose during the Black Plague less Jews died than any other people group? Because they washed their hands according to the Torah. Unbelievable. And so what did we do? What did the Gentiles do? What did we do? It must be their fault. Yeah. Because anyone's living. At that time, we were decimated so bad. We had something else that the visible expression of the church stole from Judaism. For the very first time in all of history, we started with Adam and Chava. We went through Noah, Abraham, King David, my Messiah, Rashi, all into today. Up until this point, we've never had paid rabbis. We're going to pay the rabbi. Why? Because we don't have enough rabbis to go around anymore. A lot of them died. So we're going to pay the rabbi. Because he's probably going to have to cover more than one synagogue, more than one community. We're going to get an itinerant rabbi who's going to go back and forth between two or three towns. So we've got to pay the guy because he can't really work. Because Jews were famous. They worked in order to study the Torah. Because if a man doesn't work, shouldn't he? Paid rabbis. Then the Inquisition and the Crusades. Of course, the first thing the Crusaders did before they went to fight and get the Muslims out of Jerusalem, they wiped out all the Jews in two towns in England. All the Jews were expelled from England. Years later, the Jews were expelled from Portugal, and then in 1492, from Spain, and then 1498 from uh, Portugal. And we're running out of Jews in Europe. And then we had an amazing thing happen. After 1500, one of the Jews wrote, I believe to Albert Cromwell, and said, you know, he's got a different tag here. This is great. He's a brilliant man. He's going to try a different way to get the pressure off the Jews. He says, you know, the say that the Jews will be dispersed into every land on the planet. Then Messiah will come. So how many Jews you got in England? And the guy realized, if we don't let the Jews back in, Messiah can't come. we got to have these Jews everywhere. Now, they didn't treat them right, but at least they let them live there. And that's how we started getting a lot of Jews in Europe again. I think it's pretty slick. It's a good argument. It worked. What are your questions on this so far? We got another question for you. I had circles and stuff. Circles and stuff? Oh, yeah, there's a show. Oh, here's a zoom in. Oh, wow. That was cool, really. Yeah, I know they got a man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's the money. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh, let me see. Oh, oh never mind. Right. Oh, it's Ghanic here, yeah. Uh, so, so I did a. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Oh, yeah. it looks like this is predictable. Yeah, now here. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I didn't need it. It does it automatically. <laughs> okay. The Zohar is uh, Red Red 1300, Ramban versus Rambam. You familiar with their um, names? No, the names, but... Just Rabbi Moshe Ben Nachmanides, R-M-B-N, Ramban. 
great scholar, unbelievable. I have all of his commentaries, they're spectacular. Rambam, Rabbi Moshe Ben Maimonides, or Maimon, because Maimonides is the Arabic way of, I think, of putting, when you put the E, D, D, E, S, D, N, it means son of. So you're, you can't do Ben Maimon with these. Uh, but uh, the Rambam, more spiritual, hello, problem there, mission Torah, um, a lot of stuff going on. So Rambam? With the N at the end, end November, is, yeah, I, I love it, yeah. But now, that doesn't mean I agree with everything you said. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't agree with everything I said. Okay, go ahead, please. Oh, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> okay, that's good. Um, last five hundred years, real quick. Did I not hit that forty-five minutes? Yeah, no, you you are over it. I'm over it. Right you were so our role, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you. All right. Um, Fifteen hundred to today. Um, we've got the Kabbalists and the Separatists. So we've got this mystical Judaism thing that's starting. The Zohar and all that has just come out. Isaac Zuri, uh, Luria, um, it, it's, it's mysticism and it's crummy. And I say that, and I, I like to stay away from it, and, and I see it written sometimes, uh, some commentary and whatnot. But I tell you what, I have seen stuff written in the Zohar that is verbatim what my master said. Verbatim, what John was implying in these letters in first, second, third John, with light, you know, God is light and all that stuff. I mean, it's amazing. So, what's the Zohar? Zohar? Uh, it's just another. Zohar is, is a book of Jewish mysticism. Oh, okay. And I think some of your, there's uh, no such thing, your um, movie stars are into the Kabbalah and wearing a little bracelet and being cool. Who is that? Madonna. Madonna. Yeah. So anyway, the Kabbalists and the Separatists are are there doing their deal. Um, uh, Gracia Mendez is a wonderful Jewish woman. I don't have time to talk about today, um, but I'll tell you about it some time. Um, this is when the Puritans showed up in North America mm -hmm. and uh, in England. Uh, William Bradford. Um, you've got a man who claims to be the Messiah. And uh, he's Jewish. Uh, his name is Shabtai Zvi. He claims to be the, the, the long-awaited Messiah. And then the Muslims uh, threatened to kill him. So he converted to Islam. Okay. <laughs> um, so, at the end of this other 500 the Guyanic period, I neglected to tell you that the last uh, Gaon, um, put out an edict to all of the Jews, the Ashkenazic Jews, four things they couldn't do. They could not divorce their wives without giving them a writ of divorce. And it needed to be um, mutual. If the wife didn't want to divorce, they couldn't divorce. Because it was random. They um, they could not remind a sinner of his past sin. What was happening? Inquisition. 
right? There, you've got people that are being forced to convert. You've got people that are being forced to tie allegiance to a Messiah that they, that they know cannot be the Messiah. I mean, the visible representation of the church as Jesus is normally presented. The Torah breaker can't be the Messiah. It's impossible. He not only is without sin, he's without sin because sin is defined by God in the Torah. And he kept the Torah and expected his disciples to do the same. If he broke the Torah and taught others to do it, it says in our very own portion this week, Deuteronomy chapter 13, even if he does wonders, signs, and miracles, we need to kill this guy because he can't be one of us, let alone the Messiah. So if a guy converts because he's threatened for his very life, and then he realizes his sin or he gets out of it and he converts back to Judaism, we're not to remind him of that. I think we should do the same thing. If this man was in, in torrid sin, who cares? He's turned his life around. God's blessing him. I, I don't need to know about it. Give me your testimony. I need your testimony with all the gory detail. I was once lost. Now I'm found. I love that. It's nice and full. Good. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing he said was the Jews could not open another person's mail. <laughs> It was so normal to open other people's mail, he needed to make sure that if you were a Jew, you weren't going to do it. This was so amazing that everyone was doing it except the Jews. Who became the emissaries to the kings and the sultans? Who became the ambassadors and what? Jews! Because they could be trusted. Because they had honor, moral standing, a Torah to live by. And once again, as before, here, what are we going to do with all these Gentiles? Gentiles are starting to be impressed by Jews, to the point where Jews are getting wealthy again. You know what Jews do? They get wealthy. Why? Because they're Jews. They follow the Torah, and they're blessed by God. You know, as Gentiles, we don't like that. And we get ugly. <laughs> And we try and take the love. We take the love. So the Puritans hit the scene because they're seeing that Christianity is spiraling down the porcelain toilet into really dismal depravity. So the Puritan group comes up. And they start to live high and mighty. Then, as we see this uh, Kabbalist... Jewish mysticism coming out. We have a backlash in the Jewish community, and the Orthodox community is established. The uh, Hasim, with the Baal Shem Tov. The Jews are always sad, even though we're being persecuted. And they're making movies like Fiddler on the Roof. Why are you so sad? We should have joy in our faith. I can remember hearing that in the church. Uh, what happens in our life more abundantly thing? So the Baal Shem Tov comes up and convinces them that the Hasidic movement, these are the guys with the black hats and the curls and the whole bit, and you think that they're pretty serious all the time. Wait till you get them on Shabbat, glass of wine, dancing on the table all the time. Well, it's a little bit too orthodox for these people, so the Jews react and come up with the reform movement. 
The reform movement, basically, I hope I'm being recorded, the reform movement is a joke. <laughs> it's as bad as Christians that don't believe in Jesus. How does that work? The reform movement, anything goes, you can believe anything you want, as long as you're Jewish. Oh, you're not Jewish? Come with us anyway. So the Hasidic movement, the Orthodox movement, and then finally the Zionist movement. The Zionist movement is obviously right towards the end of that century in 1948. Presbyterians got a kick in the gut like never before. Because they had already revolted against the Catholic Church and determined that the law was high and mighty. We need to live and revere the law. As long as it doesn't have anything to do with that ceremonial stuff. Because we're going to divide it into three categories that we like. We like moral, we like civil, we don't like that ceremonial stuff. And that's the three categories of the law and the Torah. You should know that. We keep the moral and the civil law. This is complete hogwash. They made it completely up out of whole cloth. Those, wor those words don't even appear in the scriptures. And you can't separate it that way. In fact, we see in this very Torah portion, Re'eh, that for the second, third, or fourth time, just in this book, the commandments are referred to in the singular. You shall keep this commandment that I, the Lord, give you this day. Because the whole thing is one ball of wax. We keep it over. And you don't. Our community puts people in three categories. You're either Torah observant or you're Torah dismissive. The third category is the people that we love to invite to our, our services. They're the Torah sensitive. So you guys keep the Sabbath. Yes, we do. You know, I've always wondered why we don't keep the Sabbath. What's up with that? I mean, it's the, isn't it the fourth commandment? Well, actually, it is the fourth commandment. This is shocking to me that you know it's the fourth commandment, actually. <laughs> you know the Ten Commandments? Well, sure. Can you name the Ten Commandments? <laughs> Not today. <laughs> okay. So the Zionist movement is, uh, is birthed as Jews claim the land once again and regain the promise. And the Presbyterians are disappointed that their whole this future prophetic Ezekiel temple all thing, that's all just you know imagery. And where the scriptures have been theorized and spiritualized away so that the physical doesn't matter. And that what's physical is bad and what's spiritual is good. And it's not what I do, it's what I say. It's not what I do, it's what I feel. It's not what I do, it's what I say. This stopped working for them for a little bit because some of the stuff that they had dismissed as being spiritual came to pass. Oh my goodness, there is a state of Israel. And oh my goodness, Jews are showing up. And that pretty much covered. Did I answer your question? Yes. And I answered yours. Who else has a question? Yes, ma'am. Um, during that 500 years there, that Buddhism and Hinduism came up, right? Yes, ma'am. Why 
This is the second temple period. The second temple period. Why do you think, why did these new religions come up? Is it because the Shekinah was not there? Or in the temple, does it have some relation to do with the temple? You're asking me for my opinion, right? Yeah. Here's my opinion. People look for something when they have nothing. Jews weren't going after this. Jews had the temple. They didn't care that the Shekinah glory wasn't there with the Shekinah. They didn't care. It wasn't Jews that were looking after Buddha. It wasn't Jews looking for Confucius. It was other people groups. And they will always do that. Because other peoples are lost. Because there's no salvation apart from Israel. Simple as that. And they had to put up with what comes of that. Including Catholicism. Always. But, I think that it's telling that right after these other thing came up, all these other faiths, it's then that we see Gentiles coming to Jews in droves. What the scripture said what happened? The Gentiles would have their eyes open to realize that the Jews have the answer to salvation. And what happens? As soon as you get too many Gentiles to count, the Messiah shows up. So when you're talking about Gentiles coming in that period in droves, is that like close to the end of the period, close to Messiah? Or, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's in the last hundred years. Yeah. I mean, when the Messiah was born, we already had a court that was humongous. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, it's at the back end of this. And they're the ones that are... After Maccabees and... I would say it was even before that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's astonishing. What are we going to do with the Gentiles? And what are we going to do with the Jews? And believe it or not, in Judaism today, it's the same question. What are we going to do with the Gentiles? And we're the ones that are provoking that question. What are we going to do with you guys? You won't convert. So how do we treat you? Well, Nicely would be nice. If you won't eat with me, that's really going to slow down the fellowship. Yes, ma'am. I just want to be clarification. Was it the Presbyterian you said divided the law, divided the law into yes, three? And then that no, actually, the entire, I would say, the entire visible representation of the church today does it. But the Presbyterians are famous for it. And when did that happen again? Right after Presbyterians became Presbyterians. <laughs> Seven hundred. Yeah. Didn't all the Protestants do like all yes, the Yes, ma'am. I mean, that's that's yeah. part and parcel of what's being taught, whether it's the Baptist persuasion, yeah. the Presbyterian yeah. persuasion, whatever it may be. Now, the Catholic persuasion just tosses the whole thing normally. I mean, the law just has no place. But yeah. then you press them on that and you go, well, is it okay for me to steal? Of course not. Well, what happens if I steal? Well, you do punish. Okay, so you change the punishment. Well, the Pope makes the rules. I mean, okay, uh, <laughs> of course he does. So that's a new term. They've got their own term. Yeah. If you think that, let me just paint it for you, thank you. 
um, Callianne's question was, when, when was the period when the high priest office was being sold uh, by Rome and being provided and so forth uh, as a gift and it was really corrupt? The time she's describing is actually as the Messiah is being born. But the really cool part is what led up to it. And the answer is, uh, how many of you have heard the phrase, uh, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely? Yeah. That's what happened. Antiochus Epiphanes. He gave himself that name. This, you know, it's like the face of God. He's, you're seeing the Wonder Boy show up. So uh, he takes over Jerusalem and uh, Israel, and he put out some rules. Anybody know what they were? These rules are so important that what happened? The Maccabees revolted. They're so important that the Maccabees revolted against authority, which is against the Torah. It was that bad. Do you know that the visible expression of the church today believes all of the rules that Antiochus put out? That should give us a moment of pause. They could not keep the calendar. I've been They couldn't circumcise their sons. They could not keep Shabbat. Oops, we had it. Could not keep the festivals. Right? And we could not study the Torah. Well, I'm sorry? They couldn't keep kosher. Right? They couldn't keep kosher. So, when we look at these rules, the Maccabees revolted. Now, in that case, he had to slaughter a pig. And he wouldn't do it. But the priest in Modin was going to do it. He's a guy off duty. They're on duty for two weeks a year, plus another week for the festivals, right? So, this guy's off duty. He's in Modin. Soldier comes in, got a slight of pig. So he's actually thinking about doing it. And Mattathias steps up, kills the priest, and kills the soldier. Now that's not really good politics. Whoever's for me and zealous for the Torah, follow me. And they went into the hills. He died almost immediately. Heart attack, sorry. It wasn't in war, it was a natural cause kind of thing. <clears throat> and his son, who had a nickname, it wasn't the rock, it was the hammer. <laughs> the hammer took over. They won! They won! They beat a massive force. Guerrilla warfare, first time. It was great. Didn't even need elephants. They won. What was the problem? Now they're in charge. They cleanse the temple. They clean it up. What tribe are these people from? They're from the tribe of Levi. How do we know? They were priests. So they're from the tribe of Levi. Even more important, they're from the line of Aaron. Because they're Cohen. They put a guy on the throne. Levi's put a guy on the throne. Wait a minute. Who's supposed to be on the throne? Judah. 
the Lion of Judah, David, and his seed, Messiah Yeshua. So they put a guy on the throne. And for the last hundred years, these guys are in charge. And they're running. They minted their own coins in Israel. They're in charge. And you got a Jew on the throne. But he's a Levi. The intrigue and politics that went on would be an awesome book if it wasn't about Jews. So nobody would But we have the history. And it's amazing. Finally, it got so bad, back and forth between all the brothers infighting, and one, one brother kills another brother, and then the dad gets involved. Rome had to step in and clean up the mess. And from that point forward, you had the Roman Empire in charge of Israel until they rebelled again and lost. So it's, it's an amazing thing. So, um, when Rome took over, the high priest garments were under lock and key, and they were giving it to the person who paid them the most. And I can tell you that the high priest that day, according to the Talmud, starting right before the master was born, was high priest for 10 years. Why does that strike you as off? It's a lifetime appointment. So you're the whole time. So, so he's high priest for 10 years, and then Rome takes it away from him. He convinces Rome to give it to his son-in-law. By the way, the guy who was the high priest, you know his name is Annas. His son-in-law's name? Caiaphas. Over the next 40 years, until the temple was destroyed, one guy, one family, it's just like an Italian mafia thing, it was unbelievable. One guy, one family, controlled the high priesthood. Annas had his son-in-law, two different sons, and one other relative, I can't remember off the top of my head, all in the high priesthood at some point or another. Until finally, he died. Unbelievable. One family controlled it for the entire term of Yeshua's life. Talk about being used by God. And you thought, who's the guy that uh, turned him in? Who turned, in, who, who turned in Yeshua? Judas. You thought he was there. You guys all family. Nasty business. All right, we'll take a break, and I have a game for you when we come back. Um, I have mugshot cards. <laughs> so I'm just going to hand out some mugshots, and you ought to be able to stand on the wall where this place comes into play in the history of the world. It's a study break. It's a study break if you want. And we'll leave it on the wall so you can look at it. Um, and you've got the, the printer sheet. Final question before we take a break. Let me pray for you. Dear Father, we thank you for the time that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that uh, through the levity that your spirit would work in the hearts of those here, that we would truly understand the history of your people being his story, the story of Messiah and the redemption of your planet and your people through your Messiah. In the end, that your son would be lifted up, glorified, and soon return to take us back to his place where he will reign over us soon and in our days. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Lord. Thanks.